Hopefully today I won't screw up and, and scream at my kids at uh, high decibels in the background with forgetting to hit mute. Everyone out there listening, you are listening to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, we have the doctor, the doctor on the show, Dr. Braden Myers. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the ineffectiveness of vaccines. Um, just kidding. We're, we're really not. <laughs> we're not doing that. That'll quickly get me shut down on, on LinkedIn if we talk about that. Um, I'm not making any, do not read into that. I'm not making any suggestions here whatsoever. Although I did, I do have my third day of my NAD drip scheduled to go in at five o'clock today. If anyone knows about that, I don't know if you do. Fairly life altering, um, I found, at least last couple of days. Uh, <laughs> anywho, let's... Doctor, tell me, you worked for Volvo, corporate America for 10 years, six months. You've gone from like massive corporate world to more of a family owned, do we call it logistics? Is logistics a fair statement for yeah, where you work? Yeah, kind of so let's just talk about that. I don't know if I've ever really talked. I don't know if we've beat up this subject a lot. Most people that know me know I came from corporate America and then grew my beard like 12 inches long after that. So what was it like the dynamic going from large to small? Uh, definitely not today. I mean, it's kind of a culture shock first month being here, uh, just getting used to the people. I mean, you, within about six weeks, you know, everyone in the entire company and coming from a 120,000 person organization <laughs> in 12 years, uh, including my internship as well. I, I didn't really know everyone there. So uh, definitely the biggest impact there was that. And then, you know, kind of just seeing where they were and, starting from there to kind of to decide what the strategy and the roadmap would be for the next few years. So you were at, at Volvo before. When I think Volvo, I think Volvo Penta engine that was in my dad's center console boat. And then I think the trucks driving down the street, obviously, which you'd be more familiar with. The You were project and process implementation manager there. Now you're just like full-blown director of information technology Nope, exactly. So, so there, yeah. did you have like a like a t- top tier? Like, I'm making decisions, but there's kind of like this, I don't know, just massive group of people that I'm working with, and I know some people. And now you've got how many end users do you have? Uh, total probably around uh, two thousand plus here. Okay, and how big's the team? Your team. Let me take a guess. First of all, if I like, because I would say that you fall within mid market. So, the the whole reason for why dissecting popular IT nerds exists is mid market IT, because you guys are really like superhuman. You're not small business where small business is always like, wait, you know, what's the biggest bang for my buck can I get for like, you know, this router that I bought at Kmart? And then, <laughs> oh wait, Kmart doesn't exist anymore. Uh, sorry, Best Buy. I know, it just went out. M- Micro Center. <laughs> uh, sorry, Martha Stewart. The, um, there, there's that. And then there's Enterprise IT, which is just so big and it's just a different animal. There's, you know, it's more of like a, we belong to this culture, so to speak there. And then there's mid-market IT, which is I'm fighting for a seat at the table. I am fighting for more budgeted dollars. And if I'm doing my job right, IT is a business force multiplier and nothing can get done better without better technology. Everything gets done better with better technology. So you have a team of 2000. If the numbers are right, based on the last 
two decades of working in this space, the ratio is about one to a hundred. So, but you're at the 2000 mark. So you probably don't have quite that ratio of staff. If you have a staff of 20 people, you're doing really, really well. But I would imagine your staff is like 10 to 12. No, you're, you're correct. We have, we have eight people. And then I also have uh, some MSP partnerships uh, regarding our network security and infrastructure management. All right. So we'll count them. We'll count. how. So, yeah. so are they doing so like help desk? Are they doing 12. help desk stuff or anything? Or All right. They do my level three, level four um, technical support. Okay. So thus the purpose of this um, of this show. How do you get more, how do you get as much done with as little as possible? And uh, of course, logistics is very important. And in, in nowadays, that have you, what, what was COVID like for you guys? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. I actually, my first day of work for coming to Bowman was actually the very first day of lockdown in the US. So it was a different experience. I was going from about three years of remote work to 100% in office. They had no messaging programs. They had no remote work abilities. It was 100% you're in office. Um, our main flagship company is actually a transportation company where we own, um, we own about 400 plus uh, tractor trailers. And we actually own all of our assets, drive and so forth. So during COVID, we had to be very flexible, implement technologies very quickly, efficiently, and a very little expense. So we rolled out you know, Microsoft Teams, we rolled out technologies for video conferencing, we rolled out always on VPNs to allow remote work. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of fast paced, you know, we need to make the IT solutions bump up to 2022, 2021, and match where we need to be from a COVID perspective. Thinking back to that and helping out other people listening, what was your single biggest frustration problem concern during that time? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I definitely think probably the first one was coming into a new team um, for me. So us trying to get to know each other and learn each other's habits and me learn my team in the same time we were going into a pandemic. So it was a totally different environment. (laughs) What a a lot of people don't really realize is, you know, tractor trailers, transportation, logistics was highlighted super. I mean, like superiorly highlighted. We were at, even our company was featured at the white house. Like we had a lot of press. And so people looked at it Oh, they're doing great during the pandemic. Okay. That was one of the toughest years ever. So it was a unique situation for us to find ways to save money with technology. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I was actually even able to get certain projects approved and put in place, you know, to customer support. I mean, something as simple as that, putting in a CRM solution to allow for real-time streamlined communication to all of our customers faster and with better actual communication. And we did that at a fraction of the cost. Okay, so yeah, there's a, a lot of factors there. I forgot about the um, the memes that were like, "What drove your technology like <laughs> implementation? Like, you know, <laughs> technology or COVID or you know, it was like that was like the biggest driver of technology, which is yeah. sad but true. And and also, you know, okay, I guess thank you, but not, but no, thank you. <laughs> why um, why were you featured in the at the White House? Uh, truck drivers in America. So we actually were one of the one of the fleets that were actually supporting, um, and we actually were lucky enough that our president for our company that's retiring this year is actually becoming. He's now transitioning to the president for uh, TCA, which is Truck Carrier Associations for America. Uh-huh. Um, so basically, the largest trucking organization in the country. He's my he's retiring into that, becoming the president for that. So a lot of it just happened to be coincidence, but we also were featured with along the, the lines of 
transportation and the importance in that industry during COVID and getting, making sure goods are delivered to everyone during that time. Okay. So for in, in order for this to be helpful to people, maybe we just talk about with how you think about things and how you break things down. So he'll, okay. First day of work, pandemic, everything gets shut down. I'm in a, I'm in a logistics industry, which is going to get hit pretty heavy because transporting things during a pandemic is kind of ridiculously important. Um, but we have to work, we have to like now, Hey teams, by the way, this, we need to implement this. We've got this, we've got that. I'm new to the company. That was my biggest struggle was how to, how do I connect, discover and respond with people while implementing change at the same time, that's going to affect all these people that I don't know yet. It's kind of crazy. Exactly. How, what was your methodology or what did you sit down and think? Like when you went home at night and cried yourself to sleep or stayed up all night thinking about things, what did you write down on a piece of paper? How did you map it out? Like, where did you start? Sure. Yeah. I mean, biggest thing for me is I go back to my educational background and I, I look, I always look at a customer centric focus first. And then I look at a stakeholder theory background. So I always try to analyze who are all the people that are going to be affected by this change and actually understand how can I make this change in some form or fashion mutually beneficial to them. And then from there, starting with the customer and working my way backwards to find out if our goal is to, you know, give you something as simple as an ability to communicate without having to be face-to-face with someone, to discover all the solutions from there and work your way backwards to the technology. Don't make the technology be the solution. And I think that's a lot of times what I've seen in the industry is people will come to look at problem solving and they'll present, you know, 15 different systems. It'll be great to do it, but they don't even fully understand the problem first. Uh, please explain more. So not, not making the technology the solution, but reverse engineering it kind of starting from the back. Like, like let's, let's just walk through like a, a one of the examples. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just keeping on the, the same subject with teams, I mean, the first question was how do we get a way that we can call someone face to face without sitting in front of them? And how can we get away with messaging them back and forth? And being more efficient with how we do it so you don't have to walk from building to building and we can keep our office doors closed. So breaking down those business requirements one by one to get to a functional requirement that's going to truly be utilized. And that's probably the most challenging piece is breaking those down individually. And then going out and really each of those individual functional requirements then defining, okay, now I have all these requirements. What tools or technologies out there exist that can meet this need? Um, and then also looking at not just this one time instance, what's this going to do, but also what are our other goals within the company in the next two years, five years, so forth. Um, and one of those for us is, you know, to get away from desk phones and supplying cell phones and those types of things down the road because we want to save costs. So, you know, looking at that soft phone ability, that's also functionality within teams. So understanding everything all around. So explain deeper how you don't make technology the solution because clearly technology was the solution there. Are you just saying the methodology? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, the method. So like if you come to, a, you come in and you immediately go, they say, I want a video conferencing program and you immediately go, okay, well, I can give you either Team, Zoom, WebEx, or Google Hangout. Uh-huh. That's, that's the typical response that I've dealt with in the past. And a lot of times when you come in with that, you're totally missing out on what are the underlying requirements. Maybe they don't need 
any of the features that come with Zoom. Maybe they'll need any of the features that come with WebEx. Maybe they need specific features that are only available in one. And maybe so you miss some of the, maybe you yeah. miss some of the existing systems that are in place and implementation. And yes. that's how you end up with kind of like shadow IT decisions and other people making other things like that. That's a big piece. Shadow IT is a great concept and a horrible concept. Because <laughs> it does happen and it does take place. And there's definitely a lot of those moments where we kind of un- unraveled the tree this past two years that I've been here. Okay, so let's let's go to, um, did you say CRM or ERP system? What did we replace or implement? CRM. Okay. Yeah, we ended up implementing a CRM. Okay, so did you have one before? We did not. We really? Would you have spreadsheets? Not even spreadsheets. 100% email. Only email <laughs> communication. Email as a database. Even phone calls. Even phone calls were documented in email. No way. With how many trucks? 400 plus. I mean, we've been up to 500. How was that even possible? That was my exact wording. (laughs) (laughs) No, for real. Like, how do you manage routes? How do you manage orders? Yeah. How do you... I have a... um, I happen to have a lot of um, I happen to have a lot of Russian friends, and for some reason they're all truck drivers. And um, <laughs> I've got a couple of friends that are ha- that have um, um, like dispatch companies, like smaller trucking yeah. companies and stuff like this. And they're nowhere near the size of you. They might be like one warehouse, you know, things like this. And sure. even they have a system. I just I can't imagine, no, you know, and I system for dispatch and stuff, but not customer service as far as like. I have an issue. I need to know something. I need additional capacity for my my lanes that you have with me. Uh-huh. Those are the types of things we put in the CRM for. Because like dispatch and order management, stuff like that, we have we use a, a NAS four hundred. We use a, a legacy system. Okay, okay, um, okay. So reverse engineering. Yep. <laughs> we start <laughs> off with um, okay. Well, we're not doing anything right now, so anything's better. So in that case, how do you not make technology the solution there? How do you not make technology the solution when you have nothing? It's funny, but the first discussion I had with the C team and the CEO even was, it's working fine today. Why do do we need to change it? Mm, If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I said, well, I just pulled the stats. I said, you know, we're getting over a half a million emails per year for customer service or support. I said, can you tell me which customer is your biggest hitter? Can you tell me which customer is the most inclined to ask questions that add no value? Can you tell me which customers you want to get more lanes with or you want to expand and grow the business with down the road? Things of that nature. And we we don't have the data, so there's no way to make intelligent decisions in the future based on what we're collecting. And also, too, I said, one of the things that was, you know, for me coming in from a more corporate structured environment to a newer family business was, okay, well, how does someone contact you? Do they have like a customer service at at yourcompany.com? Well, if it's this time of the day, this day of the week, and you're this customer, you're going to use this email address. But if it's the weekend, you're going to use this one. If it's after 5 p.m., use this one. And I said, wait, wait, a single customer can have multiple email addresses to email for support, depending on the time of the day. They said, well, not just that, but also the location that customer's in. So if they have a spot in the Northeast versus the Midwest, they're going to have two separate sets of email addresses. And I was just like, we got to find a way. So we started documenting out what are all the current process steps that we do? What do we do today? And then analyzing all those processes to say, what can we do to make this better? And showing them, you know, if we centralized all this to one single inbound communication exchange, 
we could then know the the, the true uh, you know breadth and depth of what we're doing. I said, and then from there we can start to divvy it out to the correct resources for customer service, for order planning, for dispatchers, you know, whatever the question might be, even down to the sales team, getting them involved. And we started documenting out all the features they wanted to see in something requirements and breaking those down to what do we want each of those to be. And then from there, that actually took a list of CRMs from about 40 down to three. So instead of starting with the CRM level, potentially choosing the wrong product off the bat, we started at the requirements level to find everything we need and then look to see what solutions can meet that need. It's really awesome. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm rarely, you know, I talk a lot, ironically. The um, I'm, I'm, I'm rarely left, you know, speechless. But and if I am left speechless, it's because I'm really marinating and 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 I'm taking a lot of notes. You know, that's what I do on these calls, shows, calls. I was gonna the, originally the show was gonna be called recorded phone calls. <laughs> I was just gonna like you know, and I was like maybe like, that might get shut down. It's possible. <laughs> um, I want to ask you where you are now, how you measured success and, but before I do that, did this change the company's vision or goals? What was the company's vision? Is there a grow? Like, Hey, we want to grow the business. We want to make money. What's the company's vision? Yeah, we actually, I mean, we actually just published our new vision um, statement. That was actually part of our strategy this year was to create a clear, concise, strategic vision that we wanted to communicate not only internally, but externally. And our company motto is that we always carry through. So that's been our slogan for almost 70 years. You know, we carry through every day, no matter what it is, no matter what the condition will be there. So a lot of it was focusing on not only improving our internal workforce, but improving our internal reception to our external customer base. And part of that is to grow our different streams as far as you know, short haul, long haul, regional, so forth, each of the different areas in which we participate in, getting those grown. Um, and the best way we could do that was to actually improve um, different things we were doing. Customer service was a big one because we had, I mean, we took our half a million records that we were getting per year and now we're down to about 150,000 because we're finding that we have a lot of things that were being answered by two or three different people and sometimes with the same answer or different answers. So now by putting everything in one huh. system and because, you know, I would imagine those answers are, I w- let me just take a guess. I would imagine a lot of those multiple emails are, and I'm only saying this because I just ordered a bunch of jujitsu mats and I used my friend's trucking company to deliver these jujitsu mats and they had to be carried through multiple places from Ohio and dropped off. I would imagine, I don't know if I'm right. I'm just guessing that a lot of these questions and emails that may have been eliminated may are, where's my order? And we have an online order tracking solution. Like, so now where's my order? Macro. Think about how much labor and time and productivity is saved just from eliminating where the heck's my order? Or even just now, we have a simplistic macro that if that question comes in, literally, if it sees in the body of the chain of the text that came in, order and status in the same email, it will actually have the ability to autonomously respond and say, 
In order to check your order status, you can click this link and sign in with your company's email address and password. Boom. So even just that alone, you've gotten rid of, you know, half of your inquiries. And our next step, and I talked about like that future evolution, that scalability, when you want to have that ability to grow beyond what you've created, that was one of the things we looked at in CRM. So we wanted something that had open APIs. We wanted something that had the ability to grow with us. Um, and part of that next evolution is we're developing our own APIs to integrate with our TMS solution. So that way, if you actually ask for a specific order number status, it can actually go right out to our system, fetch it, and send it back to you along with the link for you to go watch it yourself. So you got your own developers doing that? Or are they outsourced? Yeah. No, no. We have, we have on our uh, internal, we have our own uh, object-oriented programming team. We also have AS400 programmers. Yeah. Uh, your AS400s steel on site or in the cloud no steel and on site they have to be right because no one knows how to do that yet except i know a couple people that secretly do that they specialize in as 400 migrating as 400s to the cloud with redundancy i mean people that know it know it people that don't know what we're talking about they just you know ibm um (laughs) we love you you made something that lasted forever like literally going to year year forty. I mean, you made, <laughs> you did, you did the opposite of what every marketing department told you not to do, which is make something that breaks, like an iPhone that I need to get every I don't know sixteen months. Oh yeah. Um, that's a s- real another subject. That's for another show. <laughs> the, <laughs> um. This is how I, first of all, I, I applaud, I applaud the vision. I applaud the vision because every single company that has ever made customer service the point, every co- company that has ever, ever made customer service the main focus of their company, that's the best sales strategy of all. It is the absolute best sales strategy of all. Take care of your people. You always follow through. Take care of your people. Take care of your people. Take care of your people. That's the best sales strategy. Yeah. You don't need to worry about like ramming things down people's throat. You don't need to worry about constantly getting in front of people, up in people's grills and annoying them. You don't have to do that. You just have to deliver really, really good customer exactly. service. So, so, so I applaud you on that. I'm wondering if your technology and, and organization and freeing up of time and, and measuring all of that drove clarifying the vision. I would say that technology may have had a... Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, definitely for what's coming in the next year, technology is a huge piece of that vision because we're looking at, you know, I'm pushing efforts to improve our communication, our driver workforce communication, our technologies and our trucks themselves. So, I mean, taking everything to the next level. I had a really sad story happen, heard a really sad story the other day, and that was IT was brought to the forefront, brought to the table, IT was now sitting at the executive table. Um, changes were being made. Uh, technology was being used to drive the business forward. And then some collapse happened internally at the company. And older people came back into power and, and were like, no, 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 we're, we're going back to the way it ever was. And IT is now back into a regressive um I don't know, sit in the server closet in the back room and, and uh, please make sure. 
horrible. <laughs> you know, answer the tickets, and I was like, I was like, that's like, that's as bad as it can get. I couldn't even think of it. Like, I sometimes you can't think of the horror stories until they actually happen. Um, what do you have oh to say? Gosh. And then I spoke, and then I spoke, and then I had the most reviving conversation I've ever had in my life. I don't even want to give this away, but it's so good. I kind of, I can't help it. And this guy said to me, he's like, that's, you know, what, he's like, basically he's, he's saying, what area of the business, name one area of the business that you can do better without technology. He's, he's like, name, just name one area. I just want to know one area of the business, any of them, just name any area of the business that you can do better without technology. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so refreshing. It's like, I don't know where I'm going with that. I don't know where I'm going with that. I guess I'm just asking for you, like, could you give some advice to some people out there listening, you know, maybe coddle some of these people that are in a, a dead end IT job. How do you deal with maybe stress and depression in IT? Yeah. You know, that's a huge aspect of it. And that's what, I mean, to me at the end of the day, it always comes down to how is business and IT aligned in your organization? That's literally what my, even my dissertation focused hundred percent on business and IT alignment and how it actually, it is what ultimately impacts organizational optimization. It impacts the development of the organization, the strategy, the visions of the organization. If you don't align the two, it becomes more of that stepchild. It becomes more of that, oh, it's a service. You know, they're just a function that we go to for support. Well, no, you can actually make the most impactful changes when you include them at the table. And that, that's where, for me, that's why anytime I've ever gotten to a point where I felt like I was getting static or I needed to have some kind of growth in my, my career, if I didn't feel like I was getting that alignment that I wanted to see, that's when I started looking. I would always, you know, open, it, it, IT is a beautiful thing. It's an open, it's an open canvas, open world. So if you want to make a difference, if you're in a place where you have the skills, biggest thing comes down, what's your background? And what certifications do you have? So at the end of the day, a lot of times that can be the, the differential factor that can get you to that next step. Interesting that you say that. You, you've got to listen to the last podcast, right? Uh, oh, yeah. So where we, you have 19-year-old that graduated high school, took a year off, right? And sold him, sold his way into being IT director. Well, first of all, coming in as a spy. Um, and then... <laughs> You know, and then um, becoming full-fledged IT director, and then after the fact, going to to school, and um, you know, then after the fact, going to the school and getting all the degrees. So that um, that was Malachi Salazar, by the way, which was the last episode, and it's interesting because I kind of. I don't know if there's like, I think some people naturally kind of understand how to sell. If they really understand how a business works and they really understand like how to sell themselves, maybe they came, maybe their, their job prior to it was Mm -hmm. business management or customer service or some kind of, um, I don't know, retail, you know, retail hell, you know, where they just like got business driven into them and, and, and processes and stuff like that. Oh yeah. And they, and they like it, then they might understand how business and it align and are able to sell themselves into that without any certifications, just straight oh, yeah. raw skill. Um, and then there's people that have all the certifications in the world yet. They're not, they're not worth it. <laughs> They can't, yeah, they can't speak with people, I don't know, or they don't understand and, how... And I have, I mean, I've, I've had so many people over the years that have worked for me that have been part of my teams I've been on, 
And I, I've had the most intelligent people in the world that literally cannot hold a conversation with a normal conversation string. But if you sit and talk to them technically, you know, beyond a doubt, they are the smartest person in that room. But yeah. Like, I can never put you in front of a CEO and have you strategically discuss an IT issue. It's like, no. And I think a lot of that too for me is um, not only being conversational, but years of experience, years of time learning people and networking and getting that experience and that exposure. That helps tremendously too with growing your abilities and your skill set. Because I, I think that a lot of times we don't focus enough on the people side, mm-hmm. don't focus enough on the empathy. Um, being able to truly connect with people and, and discuss with them. And I think that is a huge piece. I mean, one of the ways I was attracted to this position was they were looking for a hands-on director of IT. They didn't want somebody just to sit at a strategy level and think of the new and the future and the direction, but they wanted somebody that was more than willing to get down and dirty and do whatever it took. And I have always said, no matter what role in IT I will ever be in in my career, I'm always a customer service agent. <laughs> I am always helping somebody in some way. Yeah. And I, I've had some people that were stuck in the kind of, I hate to make fun of engineers because my son-in-law is an engineer and he's definitely like, <laughs> he has that ability to really, really connect, right? And not go full tunnel vision and like, you know, filter out all other options other than the one that he can only, you know, or the one that a engineer can only see. Some people get this like tunnel vision, you know, an inability oh, yeah. to like, listen to what other people are saying. It's kind of just like in an ear and out the other ear. Like some people have that, I don't, I don't know what you call that, some kind of like personality, like it's, you know, it's like whatever that one of those personality traits are. And um, it can be learned. It's just very difficult for certain people to like yeah. put themselves into, you really have to like get that like active listening or, or understand that 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 concept of active listening. And, and uh, yeah, like you said, empathy, um, uh, you know, uh, empathy. I guess. What back to the the business, the business and IT uh, alignment for companies that it, it, can you make a comp- can you can you make a big change in a company where business and IT don't align? What would your what would your advice be, or would it be go look for a company where business and IT align? Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a challenging one there. I'm Um, just, you know, I'm just connecting the dots here, right? I'm trying to, because I always, I'm always trying to think like, I I think going into technology is a good route (laughs) nowadays. Back in the day, it wasn't, back in the day, it was like kind of a, it was like, hey man, you know, we got this thing called the internet coming out. Um, I was looking up old yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was looking up some old George Bush videos the other day, trying to explain again to my my son-in-law, who's who's he's a foreigner. Let's just say that. Abdurrahman, if you're listening, <laughs> I try to but um I try I'm like, hey, you gotta see these old George Bush videos, like you know, like the old bloopers, you know, and like one was, you know, someone asked him, like, do you use the internet or do you know what Google is? And he's like, Yeah, I've used the Google a couple times, you know, the to look up something on maps. And it just it really dawned on me like how fresh the internet still is, how new it really is. Cause this was like 97. I don't know. Not even might've been 2000 something had to been in the two thousands. I'm just trying to think, which is still scary to me. It's just, or not scary. It's just amazing. So 22 years and it's only went this far and it's still got so far to go. Yeah. And we're talking about these now, like kind of in depth philosophies of, of how to business and, and IT align. And, 
um, I don't know, just like, let's just hit on yeah. some of the, like, how do we, you know, how do we well, make that alignment okay. happen? Or, oh no, I remember the question. Yeah, sorry. I already forgot yeah, my most yeah, advanced question, which is go look for another company or um, try to change the company that you're in. No, I, I don't, to me, if you're, if you're happy with your position, happy with what you're doing, what you, what you do today, I don't think it's something where you go out and look for another company. I mean, I think you always want to keep your options open. You always want to be aware. Um, but I think it's something where you look and see. There's many times where I've been able to influence change, put a change through from an IT perspective that the business did not agree with. And then months later, they saw the impact and the benefit. And that opened up a different layer of trust and a different layer of communication down the road. And I've seen vice versa, where the business has had ideas and they said, no, we don't want to do that technology. We think it's going to be more beneficial if we keep it this way and go with this route. And we see that. Well, route one, let's go with route one because that's where you actually didn't make the change. You better be darn sure it's going to be a good change for the company. So how do you have confidence? (laughs) I know the answer and I, and I, I just don't want to give the answer. To me, it's, it's data driven. Uh, To me, thank you. It's a numbers game. Data driven. Yeah, it's a numbers game. And if you can quantitate what you're trying to sell to them, even if they don't believe it fully, because I will tell you, it was six months later and I still had upper management in some cases going, we still don't think that this solution for the CRM is worth it. And then... Oh, even where you're at right now? Where you're at right now? Yeah. Okay. And then I went back to them and I said, first question I asked, you know, eight months ago, what is your number one customer as far as complaints, issues, concerns, things you have to address? And they gave me company A. And then I pulled them up and I said, you'll be shocked to find out they're number seven. Mm -hmm. I said, this one's the one that's giving you the most. I said, you're getting 500 messages a day from this customer. And how big was that customer? Small, teeny. Oh, I have another company that has a whole philosophy of, an, of a, a current uh, customer right now where they have the 80 20 uh, they have the 80 20 philosophy yeah. they want to give 80% of their time to their top 20% of their customers and they don't want to spend 80% of their time with the bottom 20% of they're just wasting their time because a they themselves are also disorganized might not have a CRM and are completely just wasting your time so okay so you brought that point up Continue. And then it came down to data. Yeah, I mean, it came down to the data because after that, we started showing, here's where we are. Now we can actually create a baseline. We can show you what you're actually doing. And then trending it month over month for the last six months, we can actually see we're improving the amount of time it takes for the initial response to the customer, which corrected customer communication issues we had. We can see the actual impact as far as number of issues we're getting questions about because we've (laughs) formalized responses. Uh-huh. So like when you ask for, let's just say a status of an order, it's no longer one person saying it's on the way. It's now a very structured response that, you know, your order number, blah, 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 is currently located at blah, 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 blah. And then it has three bullet points. There's recap on location, ETA, and PTA. And they have that template that auto fills and all they do is put in the three values. Uh-huh. So literally taking, and it also responds back with hello Brady and says, thanks, you know, Thanks, John. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, you know, whatever. Or thanks, Philip, for you. Uh, I was going to say, I thought everyone was Tom Brady. That would be great. (laughs) I I had a bunch of partners. They used to join the Zoom call and it'd be like, or like, remember that you didn't, everything's on Zoom and video now, but you used to join like a conference call and it'd be like, John has joined the call and he would, I had one guy that was always, it was always Tom Brady. Tom Brady has joined the call. Anyways. um, Okay. And now you could probably say, well, here's the data. Do you want me to turn it off? Do you want me to go back? We can always put it back. 
Yeah, you can always go backwards. Not really. And it, and it was funny because <laughs> one of the one of the deciding factors was actually going to the floor level, to the operations level, and asking all the individual uh-huh. CRMs, all the individual um, planners, and uh-huh. saying, "Would you prefer to stay with us or go back? Deal with what you're dealing with, or go backwards to email?" And the expectation was it was going to be go back to email. Like we're done with this. Every single person. Let's move forward. Okay. And I think that also showed good leadership on the business side though, because it literally were like, okay. They're transparent. They're fair. Yeah. Transparent, fair, top down um, or bottom up or, you know, uh, what do we want to call it? You know, servant leadership. Um, Is there an impact from a CFO perspective? Like, is it been long enough yet where we can measure again, it's a numbers game. Can we measure more product productivity? Were we able to get rid of temporary staff or were we able to, do, you That's know what I mean? Gonna say, yeah, we, we can see, I, I think we're seeing that because of the restructures we were, we were doing now, those weren't a hundred percent directly related to that, but I don't think it would have been possible without what we put in. It's I mean, also hard during a pandemic. That was the thing you had going against you. You had that going against you was, you know, the, the, mixing bowl of the pandemic like it just screwed everything up all all line items are, are jacked up now on a piano labor hours are jacked different yeah um it's a great example now for whoever like there's going to be some guy out there that's going to be like thank you thank you very much phil howard and thank you you know what i mean like thank you brayden and oh, yeah. um who is the winning crm <laughs> <laughs> that's fine we ended up um so you're gonna love this but we ended up using salesforce for the sales side i knew it the server side. all right salesforce doesn't so care i think it enough yeah yeah what was the second one? Split. What was the second one? Uh, we ended up using uh, Zendesk. All right. Beautiful. And it's actually been fantastic. I mean, to be honest, with the amount of open API connections that are available, that's where I found the most fun for my team. We've, it, we've actually made optimizations since the beginning of it. And I think Zendesk is, um, like, it's easy enough to work with that, like, I could do it. And I'm just... Like oh, yeah. I, I could do the changes just, and the API stuff. Like it's just time. We just did a startup for our, our sister company um, that has one single IT person, completely separate company and showed them in a half an hour how to use it. And two weeks later, he called me up and said, Hey, fully have Zendesk up and running. Now we have 31 agents. We're using it for our entire AP and billing process. Yeah. yeah. I actually had a Zendesk. Um, I was building out a Zendesk, a Zendesk uh, option one time. And then there, for whatever reason, I just had another friend in jujitsu that was like, look, I'll, I've got us all set up already. I'll do it for you. Like, you know, so that's kind of, but I'm very familiar with, it, it's very, very similar. Well, I don't want to say it's similar to Salesforce. I'm going to get all mad. Well, it's not similar at all. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it is. when you you functionally look at the two they are similar let's be real yeah yeah you can make it look similar you can you can do the drop downs you can do all of that um so yes congratulations on on doing something that is just a matter of time had to be done was way way delayed anyways there would be no and in reality there's no way you could say we're going to keep doing this on email there's just, just exactly. It's just not. Well, it also came down to you know when you have customer questions, you know, five six years after orders are delivered about something, yeah, and then 
that CRM no longer works here. They've been gone for three years. Yeah. So what do you do? You got to search the Those are the kind of things that, that came up and, you know, with our setup was in depth, it's indefinite retention with no data storage limits. So it's, I mean, we can literally go back indefinitely and look at every ticket ever. I wonder if there's a way to fix someone that has a really big problem uh, with email I would show you, I could show you this on video right now because it's being, we're just recording audio and no one's going to see my 69,376 unread emails and my horrible, like, you know, not doing what I preach to everyone else, which is use email as a database. The, there's got to be a way to, can I do like a, you know how they call it like an, like atomic wipe or whatever they call it or an email like day where I'm just going to do like a zero day, like blow everything up and just delete all my emails. I wonder if there's a way to migrate that all to a Zendesk. <laughs> can I migrate this to a Zendesk, you know, implement? There's two philosophies. The person that tries to manage yeah. a zero inbox and the person that would never, ever do that. That's me. I am I am the I am the zero inbox. So literally I have one unread email from the time you and I started to now. And I literally have otherwise about thirty emails that are read, but they have tasks assigned to them and they're linked to my planner. So what do you do with someone that's a problem? What do you do with someone like me? What what do I do? I gave up years ago. I said, this, this is never gonna happen. Like I've got an attachment from 2015 that I need somewhere. What do I do? I, I have both fronts and thankfully with the way, if you're not, if you're not strained with technology, if you're not strained with capacity sizes and so forth, it's not too hard. I mean, cause realistically now you get so many gigabytes or terabytes of data, depending on what platform you're using. Yeah. And you can have, like we have, we use uh, Backify, Definify to be able to do a hundred percent indefinite retention of Office 365. Uh-huh. So literally for us, anything ever period that's an office is retained somewhere. Right. So it, it doesn't matter to me if you have 150,000 emails or you have 14. I really do. I really do. Uh, I do. It was one of the reasons why I left Starbucks years ago was my boss made me manage a zero email inbox. Why did you leave the company? My boss made me leave nothing in my inbox every day manage the task immediately. We would have meetings about, yeah. is this an, is this a 30 second task? Do it now. Is this a, you know, I had all so these like, management. Oh yeah. And I am so against it because I've dealt with it. And I think once you experience it once in your career, you're like, no, I will uh, never be a micromanager. I'm someone that is, I always tell my employees when I first meet them, I have a hundred percent open, transparent, honest, candid communication. My door is always open. You can always stop in. I'm not going to babysit. As long as the job's getting done, we're good to go. I love you. I love you. Hire me for two hours a day. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So nice. So good. This was very valuable. I I would go on, but we would lose the value. We we could continue to talk, talk about multiple topics, but I think... The whole idea of don't make technology the solution Um, and just the general, like, you know, how you align business and IT, of course, that that has to be done. But I don't know if we really answered the question. You you, you answered the question. Yes, you can change the company inside, but Mm -hmm. okay. So here's, here's a good one. 
when do you leave a job and go somewhere else? I probably shouldn't. This is like, this is really, I'm just, <laughs> from a, I'm not asking you personally. Yeah. I'm asking you if someone asked you on your team, let's say someone came up to you on your team. And they said, Hey, should I quit? You know, what would your, what would you ask them? What would you ask them? My first question to them is, why do you want to quit? Because I need to understand what's the why, what's the driving factor, you know, because it's either going to be one of, in my opinion, it's one of three things. Either A, they're not making enough money. B, they're bored and they just don't feel like they have anything to do. Mm. Or it's really just the fact that they're like, I'm just not aligned with the company's values and mission. It's really just not my thing anymore. That would be and boredom. I think, you, I think that might be boredom. What if it's work-life balance? And and that that happens. And if it's work-life balance, it comes down to a financial option of seeing how do I balance out this workload better within our team internally first. You know, let me get some time to you know, you want to acknowledge that, you know, this is a real issue. Let me let me look at what can be done to help you out. Because your first goal should always be try and retain your staff. I mean, that's always number one to me. If they're if they're on my staff, they're meant to be on my staff, meaning that they're capable. And they're proficient and they're a power performer. So to me, it's like I never would want to lose somebody. But I, I mean, I found myself even in working inside of Volvo for 12 years, um, I changed roles five times. And the reason I changed five times was because every time I got to a point where I got bored, yeah, I felt like my job was more monotonous. Yeah, you know, there's complex things. I mean, I was a mechanical engineer. I was an industrial software engineer. Yep. I was a project manager, ITM, mm-hmm. process project implementation. Mm-hmm. I went through a lot of different roles. Anytime I got to a point where I was like, this sounds bad, but my job is easier than it should be, meaning that I can get through my day and I don't feel like my creativity and my innovation skills are being used. That, that, that reflects. And you see that. You see it. And if you let it go too long, meaning you don't have that self-awareness, that's when you can really start to have bad. That's when you get those things you were talking about earlier, where you get somebody who becomes depressed, who becomes anxious, who doesn't like their job, kind of becomes bitter even. And you don't want that to happen. You don't want someone to experience that. That's why you're in the perfect place right now. I was, I've worked both <laughs> enterprise and startup. Startup was always the place. Or it was broken enterprise and or broken market. And they're like, we need you to revive this market. You know, like... I worked for, and then my first job that I really loved outside of restaurants in college, because I worked in a lot of restaurants and Jim's Wings and mm-hmm. places oh, like that, too. Barnacle Billies. Um, I was for five years. Yeah. So <laughs> um, my first job that I loved so much was a call center of all places, which was like a, a, a cell phone, like Quest Wireless yeah. call center, right? And I loved the save department. They eventually moved me to the save department, which was like every angry customer. was like, I'm canceling. You know, like I loved that. I don't know why. I just loved that. Like Phil, like, you know, I just loved the, like, you know, calm down. It's going to be okay. Let me take care of you. And back then it was all like, yeah, it was all, it was all DOS based systems, you know? So it was like all oh, yeah. F1, F2, F3 and these, you know. Hey, you know what? I'm back to DOS now here. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my last three years at Volvo were literally pulling all of their mainframe solutions and moving to .NET, you know, Java, whatever it was, in in newer technology. And then I went back in time. Hey, there's, um, wow. And when you take, it's, it's, it's funny when you take someone that's been on one of those systems for so long and now you give them like a mouse, like, what do I do? I I quit. (laughs) Literally, it's so, so true. I mean, even, (laughs) 
even it's funny, but with time, I know anyone can learn a technology, no matter what their skill set is. If you give them the time and the training and the resources, they can learn it. I have people here who had no clue that video chatting like this with you and I, even audio chatting existed outside of a phone. And that was a year, almost two years ago. Now in the office, you walk anywhere and say, Hey, can I teach you fast? Oh yeah, sure. Mm. It's literally a noun. Mm. So it's funny how it does take time to embrace change Mm. and cultural impacts like that. Mm. But once they, once you have that resource availability and provide those resources to your teams, like for me, even just the teams, I have 25 different training guides that literally break apart how to use a GIF in a Microsoft team chat. Just that one function is its own training guide. And literally we broke out all these different functions and sent them out to the whole organization and did training classes, about 12 of them. That's actually genius. That, I, I know it sounds, it's sometimes it's the really small things like how to engage end users. So I, I surveyed before I did this podcast, I surveyed a ton of IT directors so that I would know like, and the only question was, is when it comes to like this, what's your single biggest frustration, problem or concern? And, uh, and then I was told by this other marketing guy, take all the answers, put them into a spreadsheet and then take all the common okay. themes, take all the common themes and, and put them in, in, you know, in not rows, I guess columns, put them in columns. He's like, and there's only, and I'm forcing you to choose three to five columns. Like you can't, like there's never more than five. Right. And he was right. He was right. He was absolutely right. Um, the, Five, it actually was four. The four major problems that every IT guy deals with is training slash engagement of end users. Like that was one theme. The other theme was basically, you know, vendors with poor support. Like basically poor support. Like the vi- there was no vibe between your IT team and the vendor's IT team. So there was no vibe there. Like the, the support was terrible. Exactly. The other one was si- basically silos. Was tech- like antiquated technology silos. Not like trying to unify or they were dealing with antiquated silos that were completely separated yep. from the system. And the fourth one was... Um, decision direction overwhelm. Is there another one? Can you think of another one? There was a fifth one that I, there was like an outlier and I was like, I don't know if I should put that in or not, but there was kind of like this outlier. Um, You know, it might've been like, you know, dealing with the budget or something like that, but th- those all seem to kind of fall into the decision direction overwhelm kind of category. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it's like budget's usually too big of an issue even here. I've not really faced that struggle. I've been told that, but I've been told that by predecessors and also by employees of mine and stuff. But yeah. when I go through it, I've always found that if I can show a business case and yeah. have a true ROI on data, it's never an issue. And that's um, like direction or decision or, you know, taking, you know, there's always, there's something I mean, there. So the biggest thing is I think overall in general, just even accepting change. I think that is probably the biggest thing I deal with on a daily. Yeah. Even something as simple as, Hey, I actually I'll give you a super simple example. They had conference rooms when I got here and I was shocked when I walked in and I'm like, what do you do? Well, we meet in these rooms. <laughs> okay. You don't have a TV or a projector or a screen. No. 
And I was just... I mean, oh, you're saying know, it was just a room? Literally, it's just a room. No, like, not even like a throwing star polycom in the middle of the room? Uh, one of them had that, but not, not the others. And, <laughs> and it was analog. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I, literally, I mean, I was like, guys, two grand. I can put an 80-inch TV in here. I can put an adapter on the table that literally works with the PC behind the TV, and you can connect your laptop and use the actual camera. I'll even give you a dongle. I'll give you a dongle. Exactly. They're like, what the heck's a dongle? And, <laughs> and it, it took a lot of effort just to change the mind to think like we should do this. Now it's funny as you fast forward a year later, because that's only been in about a year uh -huh. and it's a normality now. Like it's a normal thing. Like they are in there every day. There's multiple sessions. There's multiple, you know, they're scheduling it via a calendar. Are they using a calendar invite? That wasn't done before. It is done now. Um, it, it took a while. But but here's the thing. Here's the how do you crack the code, so to speak? And I think your GIF image, like here's a training on how to do something like this. That really, it doesn't. Add, I don't know if it adds value. It does add value from like a human emotion, empathy type of thing, right? But here's how to do something kind of fun on the new this yeah. appeal to people's emotions and desires. Appeal to desires. You do an energizer and yeah. you put it up on the screen and you share it. And I think too, for me, the biggest thing was just getting them to even try it out. Huh. And it was funny because the first few weeks I kind of noticed it just sat there, powered off, <laughs> not turned on. And then I, then I started to see, you know, they would ask me something and I'd come in and show them how to do it. And then that led to training and led to documentation and more stuff. And even now there's SOPs on the table and how to use the, the remote. I just had a vision. I just had a vision of walking down the hallway. Although people are probably working remotely, but if do you still have a lot of people working inside internally? We never went remote. Cool. So walk down the hallway with a blue cooler with the handle on it and wheels on it. And um, why are you walking around with that cooler? Oh, there's there's burritos in here. Do you want one? And then uh, give out a burrito for trying a you know. But we're giving out burritos for trying this new thing out, giving your feedback. What? Just make sure they're really good burritos. That's hilarious. You know, Taco Bell, Taco Bell sells a 12-pack. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own a company. I just work in one. So. Oh, <laughs> uh, this, this, has been, this has been a joy. This has been a joy. Um, thank you so much. Any uh, final words, final thought? Like, like uh, we don't, uh, does Jerry Springer still exist? But, you know, if you had your final, if you had your final moment or final thought uh, to give out to the audience there, what would it be? Uh, I mean, for me, one thing I've always, always considered as my kind of catchphrase is you can never stop learning. I always find that for me, you can reinvent something, you can simplify, you can innovate. And I think if you ever accept the fact that you think you know everything, you're, you're literally hurting yourself. So always, always keep pushing for education, learning something new. That's, that's what I've always done. And I found it to be very beneficial. And even just in the context of, hey, here's something, you know, the metaverse coming out learning everything about metaverse, learning everything about, you know, NFTs and how it's going to affect real estate and so forth. Just that alone is just curiosity for me. But learning myself, that is just, it's another step in evolution of technology. Yes. Invest in yourself too. Because uh, as much as you might think like uh, investing in something crazy would be a, a waste of time, I invested in a... Um, an ex Tony Robbins coach. He was Tony Robbins's number one sales guy for a long time. And Tony Robbins looked at him and um, he asked Tony for advice one day. And Tony looked at him in a weird, crazed state. Most people that don't know, I guess Tony Robbins has kind of a crazy side. And he looked at him and he said, 
I think you should just give up on your dreams because you're not working hard enough. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> he told him, just give up on your life. Like, give up on your dreams. Um, like you said, Try something you have no clue about. I mean, that's yeah. or invest in something you don't have a clue about. I mean, that's and that's where this podcast idea came from. He he was the one that started. That gave fun. me this. He gave me this whole podcast idea, and he was like, "Phil, you ran with it," and um, yeah, <laughs> that was it. And that's like kind of how this like, whole thing started. I had inv- and I had invested in you know like I don't know whatever two hundred dollars in coaching a month, you know, for just like you know organizing my like my uh, you know life or consulting career, whatever it was. And that's how kind of how this podcast came out of that. And now it just came from uh, education. So, um, no, I enjoyed it. I mean, this has been an excellent experience and definitely something different (laughs) new. So it's really cool. And if anything, for me, it's another way to network in the, in the IT world and communicate with people. Absolutely. Dr. Myers, Dr. Braden Myers. Thank you so much for being on the show. (laughs) 